Welcome to Recovering Biblical Manhood. I'm your host, Paul Robbins. And I'm your co-host, Aaron McBride. And we will begin exploring the question, what is biblical manhood? War? What war? Am I a soldier? And how am I supposed to be equipped for this battle? Men, these and many other questions will be explored and answered in our quest as we look at biblical manhood from the Word of God. Rise up, man of God, and fulfill your role in the kingdom. Welcome back to Recovering Biblical Manhood, everyone. I'm your host, Paul Robbins, and alongside me is our co-host, Aaron McBride. I'm so excited about getting uh, to our, into our subject today as we're going to continue our episode on this idea of, um, of work. Today we're going to look at what is God's highest calling for your life. I have a personal passion for helping people find God's calling for their life. And perhaps my response to this idea may not line up what is, uh, with what has typically been preached from very conservative pulpits, especially across um, the United States. What is it that you have typically seen pushed in these churches and pulpits? So let me start with a personal illustration. Um, I was reading a book several years ago, and the author made the statement, God only had one son, and he gave him the greatest calling. He called Jesus to be a preacher. Now, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm a preacher. And while this statement might strike me as a moment of pride for my own ministry, I believe that it's a statement that really, it, it really troubles me. Why would this trouble you? So somehow in our churches, we have created this idea that people who are called to what we would call full-time vocational ministries have been given a, a calling that's higher are greater than those who don't go into the, that field of work. Uh, if being called to the ministry or to be an evangelist or a pastor or a missionary is the greatest calling someone could have on their life, then what does that say about people who have been called to work outside the ministry? Now, I, I've heard some people, I believe that all Christians are truly called to full-time ministry. Uh, it kind of goes back to our last episode where we said that our work is to be a form of worship. Um, our work is to be a testimony of who God is in our lives. So in, in that sense, yes, we are all called to ministry, but I'm afraid what we've seen so many times in uh, the pulpits, especially here in the United States, is a lifting up above everyone else, those who are called to full-time ministry. Um, you know, when I read that book or that statement, um, my heart hurt. My mind questioned and my soul was troubled at what was stated. And to be honest, I set that book down and I never picked it back up because I believe that that mindset is totally anti-biblical. But unfortunately, I believe that this mindset has plagued many churches today. Is given the false impression that people go into ministry somehow have the greatest or highest calling in their life. 
and uh, that those that don't go to that are lesser people. There was a, a quote in the book uh, by Thomas, uh, Thomas Nelson called Works Matter. And uh, Paul, if you don't mind, uh, read that quote that I have there. Whether conscious or unintended, the pulpit all too frequently sends the signal that work in the church matters, but work in the world does not. It is perhaps no surprise then that workers, business people, and other professionals often feel unsupported by the Sunday church in their Monday marketplace vocations. And that's from David Miller. Um, you know, there's a huge disconnect between Sunday worship and Monday work because we treat it church work as something greater and more sacred than work outside the church. But what if we treat it all work as sacred? Uh, how would that transform our churches, our workplaces, our communities? You know, I think it would bring huge changes to these places. And I think it's time for us to understand and know that whatever work a person is called to is of the utmost importance. In fact, let me be bold to say this. Whatever it is that God has called you to do right at this moment is God's highest calling for your life. And when you realize that, it will change your outlook on what uh, you've been tasked to do by God. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that our vocations won't change. Uh, did Have you ever had a vocation change, Paul? Oh, yes. I've had a couple. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that if you leave one vocation to go to another, that you're missing God's calling. No. I, I worked in the printing industry for 10 years and absolutely loved it. Did a lot of work in printing, was strong and healthy, but I was in it in a time when it was starting its decline because of computers and software programs that would allow people to do their own printing, their own publishing, and the need for commercial print shops was diminishing. So I got into grocery. Grocery is something that I did for 27 years. And I have to say, for the first few years, I made it known to my bosses, I can't work on Sunday. Sunday I go to church, I can't work on Sunday. And it, it came to pass that I had to work on Sunday very rarely. Yeah. And then it came more often. And I really struggled with that. You know, Lord, you know, Sunday is your day. And he said, yeah, Sunday is my day. Yeah. So I want you to treat Sunday like it's my day. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, do it for me. Amen. And once I got used to the idea that I can do ministry while at my job and not just at church, then God opened up my eyes to, you know, there's all these other days of the week that you do your job. And whatever you do on my day, because they're all mine, yeah, do unto me. Yeah, well, and that's the perfect example. I mean, that's exactly what he tells us in Colossians 3, 23 and 24. And whatever you do, 
Do it heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. Why? For you serve the Lord Christ. And so, yeah, your vocation changed. But when your vocation changed, what was God's highest calling for you? To do his ministry wherever, whenever. If there's an opportunity to speak for God, take it. Yeah. And if the speaking for God isn't verbal, but with your actions, yeah. do it. Right. And if your speaking is not lining up with your actions, then one or the other needs to change so that you're speaking for God and doing for God. Yeah. You see, uh, the purpose of everything, yes, everything that we do in life is to bring glory to God. Even the very place that you are working right now, now Paul's retired, but you, listener, wherever God has you, whatever work God has you doing, God's purpose for you is to do that for his glory. And it's not just working. Uh, those who are stay-at-home moms, which actually is probably a harder job than any other <laughs> job that there is, their purpose is for them to bring glory to God. Now, we're speaking specifically to our men. You might be in a job where you're like, I should be making more money. I'm working extra hard. I'm having to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week to provide for my family and to take care of my family, and it's hard, and I'm getting worn down by it and I just don't know if I can continue understand that where God has you he wants you to bring glory to him now I don't think it's wrong for you to ask God to uh, move you in a different direction uh, for work if you're finding yourself having to sacrifice time with family um, instead of being able to spend time with family sometimes um, it's better to have to work paycheck to paycheck and be able to spend time with your family than to be making a lot of money and never seeing your family. And that's another topic for another time. But I just want us to understand that whatever God or wherever God has placed you, that is God's highest calling for you. So, Paul, why is trying to make a blanket statement like, being a preacher is the highest calling dangerous. The easiest place to fall from is a pedestal. Mm -hmm. One thing is none of us are, the, are all the same. We all have different talents, yeah. strengths, and weaknesses. So how can we put the label of highest calling as a blanket statement for everyone? If that was God's heart... Wouldn't that make him a respecter of people? But the Bible clearly tells us something different. In Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Hmm. Now this came about when Paul had returned to Jerusalem. 
after his first ministry journey. And he was converting Gentiles Mm -hmm. to the faith. And he was not telling the Gentiles that they had to follow every single bit of the law. Right. But that to be a Christian, to be a servant of the Lord, what they needed was they needed to trust God. They needed to love the Lord and to serve the Lord in whatever the Lord called them to do and not necessarily follow just that very narrow and very hard to follow road that is the law in Jewish scripture. So it's clear that God is no respecter of people. He doesn't say, well, I like this person better than that person. So I'm going to give the person I like the most, the highest calling and call the person I don't like as much to something that is a lower calling. If you are willing to follow God and serve God and do all that you can do for the glory of God, then you are in the very place that God wants you. You know, I think that we see a perfect picture of our highest calling through the life of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus, he wasn't born rich. I said this at church the other week, and I'm going to say it here, and it's a bold statement, and it's a statement that um, we might get some flack for. Uh, It might rub people the wrong way. But, you know, America has been good about perpetuating the idea of the American dream. And many Christians have fallen into that same mindset. We get the idea that if we don't have our own house or our own cars or have the means to live in what makes us comfortable, then maybe we've missed out on God's plan for our life. But can I encourage you, listeners, um, and this is even my own heart, throw away the American dream. Live however God has called you to live. Uh, And it may be with a fat bank account or surviving paycheck to paycheck. But the American dream is a God unto itself. It's an idol. It's us saying, I have to have all these things in order to be happy. But the truth is, our happiness should be found in God. If you're living as a wise steward of what God has given you, Even when it's a struggle, God gives us a promise. In Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. The highest calling doesn't promise us riches, but it certainly promises us that if we are living for the glory of God through Christ Jesus, that our needs will be met. And God loves us. Yes, he does. He doesn't want to see us suffer. Even if you have a lot of money in the bank, you still need to look to God to supply your needs. Hmm. How many times have we seen in the world the idle rich who are doing nothing but getting themselves in trouble and and causing and having 
problems. I, I did something as, as a youth that I often have joked about as an adult. And, and I didn't really have understanding of what I was doing at the time. But I remember as, as a youngster praying, God, don't, don't make me rich. <laughs> I have no idea what to do with money or how to treat it. Don't make me rich. And he hasn't. <laughs> At least not in money. Right. But God has given me a family and a church and a community to live in. And I am rich Amen. beyond my understanding. I had a goal in life that I reached relatively young. You know, most people, they want to accomplish this, that, or the other thing. My goal in life, besides not being rich, was I want to be a husband and father to the best of my ability. Amen. This is what I got from my parents teaching me. My understanding is I want to be the best husband and the best father that I can be. I don't know what I'm going to do for a living. I didn't have any understanding about that. My understanding was that the people in my life, my family, were going to be the most important people in my life. Yeah. Has God supplied the needs that you needed through those times? Absolutely. Yeah. And more. Yeah. Because God has always expected me when he supplied me with abundance yeah. to share that abundance. There was only one time I remember in all of my adult life that God supplied me with an abundance where he didn't expect me to share it outside my immediate family. Yeah. And that happened right before a physical ailment happened that caused a great financial shortage in our lives. Hmm. But God had already supplied for that. Man, that's awesome. You know, um, Jesus, it seems, was never rich materially, even through his adult, uh, adult life. Because when we come to Luke chapter uh, 9, verse 58, it says, and, and Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where, hath nowhere to lay his head. Jesus never really attained riches. What other examples do we see from Jesus' life that should encourage us in our calling? So this is a huge one for me. Jesus wasn't always a preacher, right? As I was thinking back over the statement that was made in that book about Jesus, I thought about this. Jesus wasn't always a preacher. In fact, it seems that most likely that Jesus was working as a carpenter most of his life. Uh, we don't have time to look everything uh, about what carpentry was in the days of Christ, but carpentry wasn't just about working with wood, but it also included fabric making and stone masonry. Uh, could you imagine Jesus's work as a carpenter? I, I imagine that because of knowing the character of Jesus through his three and a half years as a teacher and a preacher, and knowing that his desire was to always bring glory to God, that he probably made some amazing things out of stone and wood based on the human abilities that he had had. 
what evidence do we have that Jesus most likely was doing carpentry work? So in Mark chapter 6, um, Jesus has returned to his hometown of Nazareth for a short time. In fact, this probably was the last time that he would ever go home. Um, while he was there, he was invited to speak in the temple. Um, Jesus' uh, fame had started to spread um, from the few miracles that he had already performed. And, and I could picture the hometown crowd gathering around to hear the boy who grew up in Nazareth read the scriptures and how proud they would be. So he reads the scriptures, and the people are astonished by his teaching as he begins to expound on the, uh, on the scriptures he's read. But astonished, not in a good way. <laughs> in fact, many of them were offended by what he said. We don't have time to necessarily go into everything that he said, but when they address their frustrations, listen to what they said in verse number three. Uh, Mark 6, 3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not this his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. They recognized him as a carpenter. Not a rabbi or a teacher or a preacher. Exactly. So for almost 30 years, Jesus had learned and been practicing the skill of carpentry before he even began his preaching ministry. Why do you think I share that with our listeners? Well, because it is recognition that whatever place God has you at this moment, can be just as much for God's glory as any other calling he might put on your life. Absolutely. So what are the keys then to taking the calling that God has given someone and seeing it as God's greatest calling for our lives? I believe that we still have to continue to look at our example in Jesus. Jesus' life was given to two things. The first thing is that he was given to do the will of God. Jesus said this was his desire in John chapter 6, verse 38. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And then the second thing that we see that Jesus was given to do was to bring glory to God. As Jesus is praying some of his last words before he's to be betrayed and put on trial and crucified, you see that his desire was to bring glory to the Father, to God. In the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 1, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to the heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son that thy son may also glorify thee. With this being our example, I believe that the Bible is clear when it gives us instruction for how to serve our highest calling in the work that God's given us. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount tells us the very same thing that he himself lived, and that was to bring glory to God. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Last episode, we said that we work and manage creation is a testimony to God. 
But I believe we also see today that we work with God's calling for our life is also a testimony of who God is. If we are doing everything for the glory of God, the natural outcome will be doing good works in every aspect of our life, including the workplace. So I want to close with this quote from Martin Luther. Martin Luther said, It is not God who needs our good works, but our neighbor who needs our good works. You know, God doesn't really need us to do any good works for him. But his desire for us to do good works is for the sake of living the gospel and pointing others to him. What do we have planned for our upcoming episodes? All right, so for the next one or two episodes, um, we're going to be interviewing a friend of mine, uh, Ramiah Trask. He's an entrepreneur based out of Dallas, Texas. Um, him, him and I, we did business together uh, for several years in the graphic design field. Um, it's funny, maybe we'll even share the story of how uh, we connected. It was a God thing for sure. Um, but uh, Ramiah is also a Christian. He's a husband. He's a father. And he's a faithful servant in the church that God has put him to. And so I'm looking forward to um, looking at entrepreneurship and biblical manhood, how those things go together. And uh, so we'll be uh, airing those episodes here in just the next few weeks. And uh, so we'll look forward to hearing those things. Thank you so much for listening today. We look forward to you joining with us next week for our next episode. As always, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Recovering Biblical Manhood. Or you can email us at recoveringbiblicalmanhood at gmail.com. Also, if you're listening to the podcast and you've enjoyed this podcast, would you uh, leave us a rating? Um, if you'll leave us a rating and a good rating and a good comment, uh, that will go well into allowing the podcast to reach more people as we continue to encourage men to live by biblical manhood. Hope you have a wonderful day. God bless you.